No, it's really hard talking about something that I never struggled with. Yeah, let's just talk about humility. <laughs> and, um, and so we're going to talk about pride versus humility, pride and humility. What, what does it look like? What is God looking for? What does the Holy Spirit want from us? Amen. So um, my, I, we'll, um, we'll talk about how it, it affects us. I'm going to ask Alicia to share one part because we're going to talk about a story. And she, she's going to tell, tell part of her story because pride has actually... Um, I should say manifested or, or shown its face, if you will, in different ways in my life and completely different ways in, in her life. And it's just it's not the same. It doesn't have the same look to it. It doesn't have the same feel, but it's all from the same roots. And so, so I'm going to ask her to share a little bit later. But um, a couple weeks ago, um, I'm going to breeze through this story very surfacey because it has to do with Lifeway, but as you know, I'm the associate pastor of Lifeway, but I was at, I was at a very negative place, to be honest. This is actually about three weeks ago. Um, you know, thing after thing after thing after thing happened in people's lives within Lifeway and in our lives as well, and where I was getting to the place of like, I'm, I don't feel like a good pastor, and I don't feel like a good dad, I don't feel like a good husband. You ever been there? Um, well, you wouldn't feel like a good husband if you're, if you're a woman, but, <clears throat> so never mind. Uh, <clears throat> but I was in that place, <clears throat> and I, I had a meeting set up with Pastor Dennis Scalise. Some of you guys know him from Ephrata Community Church, good, good friend of ours, and because um, we were doing some HarvestNet event, and him and I were speaking at the one breakout session, and so I sat down with Dennis Scalise, and um, we started chatting back and forth about all we want to talk about, and he's sharing a little bit about his life, and I start dumping stuff about my life. He's a pretty safe person. He's been he he's in a similar position that I am in his in in, the, in his pastoral calling. Now he looks at me, and he said, "Vern, pastoring's not about you, man." <laughs> And he, start, he starts scolding me in the most beautiful way possible. <laughs> and, and, and I, see, see pride, pride comes at me with, I do not enjoy other, when I, have to, when I have to ask other people to pray for me because I'm not feeling that great. I like it better when I'm the man. And I want people to say, you're doing well, you know, wow, you're shining, you're being the, the leader, you know, that everybody wants. But when you, when you come in and you have to admit, because, you know, he's just one of those guys that I just got to know, and there's, there's no, and of course, Gary's another one. I can't get by anything by Gary. If, if we meet for breakfast, there's just no leaving until, so he knows exactly what's going on in my life. He just sees right through all my hoopla. And, um, but, but Dennis, Dennis actually, actually just, preached at me for a good 20 minutes and that you know for him that goes by like five minutes for me it was very long it was a very long sermon because it was all about how I'm functioning and he was really relating to how he was functioning as well and he's been a pastor for I think maybe 20 some years or something then he was in the, the public sector and went back to pastoring or something like that I, I forget but um, but it was humbling. It, it was it was a it was a test of humility. Should I receive it or should I say he doesn't know what he's talking about? But he was spot on, and he just put me in my place ever so perfectly, and said, "Vern, if you're in the pastoral ministry to be liked, <laughs> it's not going to work too well. <laughs> I like to be liked, and and that's great. Of course, everybody wants to be liked, 
but what that what that does is prevent you from saying the right thing to people when you should and and that's what I was doing is scooting around you know going oh my gosh you know I should say this but no I want to be liked and you know that's not going to sound nice if I say that and oh my goodness you know and after a while everything's a mess because you weren't honest and um, anyway I'm, I'm scooting over the surface of some things but but that's how pride comes at me where I'm like I don't like to rely on other people for wisdom. I can pray and get my own wisdom, thank you very much. You know? So anyway, let's talk about pride and humility. Let's pause for another word of prayer. Can we do that? Amen. All right, God, we're gonna take a look at pride and we're gonna take a look at humility. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me, um, Alicia, when she speaks a little bit, and, and teach us tonight your heart. God, we want your nature, your heart, and to be made Christ-like, amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, listen, pride, pride is what made Lucifer become Satan. Did you know that? You ever stop to think about that? And that's how Satan became Satan. It started with pride. And uh, Lucifer wasn't always, uh, Satan wasn't always Satan. He started out as an archangel. His name was Lucifer from Isaiah 14, starting at verse 12. He said, uh, um, Isaiah records a little bit of it, and there's more in other places in Scripture. He says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star. Um, Lucifer was a worship angel, by the way. It says, son of the morning, you've been thrown down to earth. And you who destroyed the nations of the world, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. And I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north, wherever the north of heaven is. I have no idea. But <laughs> I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. He wasn't content at being uh, doing what he was created to do. It's bizarre when you stop and think about Lucifer becoming Satan. He was a created being, and he thought he could be better than the one who actually created him. It's really bizarre. It's not like he did or did not believe in creation, like we have a choice to believe, you know, evolution or creation. He, he obviously knew he was created. You know, he was a, around the very creator himself, and he said, I can be better than that, and I can set myself above him because I'm just so much better at running this show. Isn't that amazing? You can cut the pride with a knife. It's just it probably pretty thick. And, uh, and he fell on a third of the angels with him, is what it says. And that's how he became Satan, the one we know today as our enemy. Um, so, so what is pride? Let me give you a dictionary definition, and then a lot of my own definitions as described in Scripture and all that. But a dictionary definition is, pride is known as a feeling or deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. Did you hear that? From one's own achievements is really what I want you to hear. The achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, could, so it could be um, you know, really great achievements of those that you're closely related to, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. And, and that's called pride, meaning <laughs> I'm it, I'm the man. What I got going on is the bomb. And, and that's pretty much where Lucifer, <laughs> Lucifer was. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. There's a warning for you, um, one that you might all be familiar with. Pride goes before destruction, meaning if you give in to pride, you let that rule the day. Um, around the corner is a wall, <laughs> and you will definitely hit it at some point. 
um, and it's called destruction. A haughty spirit goes before a fall. I always, when I read that verse, I just envision like a cliff, you know, like you're playing right next to the edge and you will fall off one day. Um, and uh, anyway, so uh, Adam and Eve, uh, I want to start at the beginning and, um, and then go into another Bible story, but Adam and Eve, I believe, fell right into pride. It was, it was pride that, that, that made Lucifer Satan, what made Satan become Satan. But then when Adam and Eve, you know, um, this, well, actually Eve decided that, yeah, it was okay to eat the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When she was told not to, because um, the serpent, you know, the, the form of Satan had, had tempted her, and, and he had said, God, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat of it, and you will be like God, um, knowing both good and evil. Doesn't that sound real familiar to Lucifer when he was a worshiper? You know, you're going to be like God, um, and you're going to know all things. And Eve was like, yeah, of course I'd want that. Why not? I want to be God, too. Um, you know, and as if she didn't know she was... She was a created being, um, and so Eve agreed, and she ate the forbidden fruit. And then, and then we, not to let Adam off the hook, but I don't know where he was. I don't know if he was sleeping or something, but um, maybe he wasn't in that little nook of the garden. But, um, but Adam, Adam certainly knew what was going on because it says in Genesis 1, 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, now both of them heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, and so they, they hid from the Lord God among the trees, and the Lord God called out to them as if he didn't know where they were, but he's calling out, and he's like, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid, is what Adam said. Um, so Adam's speaking for them now. He says, I was afraid because I was naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? And the, the Lord God, have you eaten from the tree? He's trying to get them to admit what they did wrong. And the man replied, it was the woman's fault. Um, I'm paraphrasing. So, so here, you have, here you have Eve going, I'm the bomb. I can do it better, and I can be like the Most High God. She's basically emulating what Satan was tempting her with. I, I want to know all things like God, know all things good and evil, and ascend to that level, Right? But then you have pride in Adam going, I can fix this. I'm the man. I'm going to fix it my way. And, it, and the Bible says he made fig leaves for clothes and really bizarre things like that. And, uh, and they tried to hide from God. Who in, who in the right mind thinks they can even hide from God? But um, <laughs> especially in the Garden of Eden, you're like, well, he apparently walked through there every day. They even heard him walking, whatever that sounds like. And so as all this, this bizarre behavior starts going on, and, and here's the man, Adam, going, I can fix this. I can do this my way, and I don't need your wisdom. I don't need counsel from anybody else. Well, there wasn't really anybody else except Eve. And that wasn't great counsel, but, um, but, but, but you see the pride coming out in, in just a slightly different way. Adam didn't wake up going, I want to be like God, but when things went awry, there was no humility either. Does that make sense? And, it, and, and so the faces of pride look like those two things. They look like just sort of more blatant, like I'm awesome and more awesome than you. <laughs> I want to be more awesome than you. I already think I'm more awesome than you. And then the other face of pride goes, I don't, it's a little more subtle perhaps, or maybe one can be more subtle than the other, I don't know, depending who you're around. But the other one goes, I really don't need anyone else to tell me what to do. I'm going to fix this myself. I'm going to do what I want to do right now and do it my way. And that's, the, that's often the pride that I stumble with. And I will plow through things and plow through things and try things until I'm so deep in the pit, I'm going, 
I don't know why I didn't ask for help like uh, uh, 10 miles back. The, I think a lot of men are like that. That's why we don't ever get lost. We just go on an adventure, you know. <laughs> um, men, men design GPSs. They just don't want to admit it because they kept getting lost. But um, we don't like asking for directions. That's, it's a stereotypical man problem, you know. We really don't like asking for directions. Um, and thank God for GPS. No, we don't have to ask for directions. Um, <laughs> back in the day, you had to, back in the day, you had to pull into a gas station or, or whip out a map, which no guy carries a map in their car. That's ridiculous. But, um, but you just, you know, when you got so frustrated and you were pretty sure you were in a different state by now, then you finally pulled into a gas station or, or some supermarket and you found a clerk. Those poor people. I'll never, you know, me and my buddies would go on skiing trips, and of course we get lost a lot. We're trying to find our way to Vermont. We're trying to find our way to the, the Poconos, and there's like 10 different ones to choose from, and we end up at the wrong place and take the wrong road, and you're in the boonies, and there's like a foot of snow. No, no, no. You don't ask for help. You just go until you see a store, um, a service station. You know, we'll act like you're stopping for gas. Well, no, actually what you're stopping is those poor clerks are going to try to help you find where you need to go. Men don't like to ask for help. Anyway. <laughs> That's why I married Alicia. She, she is a fantastic navigator. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't make a wrong turn because she won't let me make a wrong turn. She'll tell me where to turn before I need. <laughs> she, she knows what I'm about to do before I do it. <laughs> Some of you know, um, let, let's go to Luke 15. And I'm going to let you read the whole story because I'm going to paraphrase the story. But in Luke 15, it's the parable of uh, of the lost son, uh, otherwise known as the prodigal son. It's actually the parable of a father and his two sons. Did you know that? <laughs> There's an older son and a younger son. Now, now the younger son said, here we go again. I'm going to do it my way. I know what's best. I know how to run my life. I want to make my own dreams come true. I don't need your wisdom, Dad. What I need is your money. <laughs> I would like you to, to divide, and divide the, up, up the inheritance money. Um, apparently, the dad was wealthy, and he did. The dad did, surprisingly. He was a bit of an idiot, apparently. But um, No, I'm, I'm teasing. But, but he did. <laughs> that sounds sacrilegious, but I don't know what father would even do that today, you know, but, but you're just going... Really? You just handed the kid a couple million dollars? That's a little odd. <laughs> but anyway, he did. And, and he divided the inheritance right then and there, and he, and he gave some to the older son, and he gave some to the younger son. The younger son then, a couple of days later, it says he, he moved out, went to a foreign country, and, um, and squandered his, his money. Um, it says on frivolous living. Later on, it says on prostitution and things of that nature, because the older son called him out, um, saying, you know, he spent it a lot on on um, you know, booze and beer and wine and women, apparently, and, and things of that nature. Uh, and then when he was at the end of himself, meaning he had no more money, he actually then started working for someone on a pig farm, of all things. I grew up on a pig farm, and that's, and that's, that's like uh, not, not the most fun, to be honest. And, and, and so it sounds like he was feeding pigs and taking care of this guy's farm, and he, he hardly had anything to eat. And he said, it would be better if I went back to my father. When he came to the end of himself, in other words, humility starting to set in. After a while, he had no more money. He's hanging out with pigs, feeding them slop or whatever. <laughs> um, banana peels, who knows what. And, and he said, I'm going to go back to my dad. And he decided to travel back saying, I'm going to ask my dad if I can be his slave is really what it was. I can be his servant and work on his farm. At least they have food to eat. That's all he was expecting. 
Um, he was humiliated, which isn't cool, but he was at a place of, of humility saying, I need help. I can't do this on my own after all. When he gets back, his dad, now here, there's a message in here which I'll point out a little bit later because I want you to hear a really strong point in this that I, that I just really reveled in this week. When he came, the, the long story short, when he came back, his dad flipped out and rejoiced to high heaven. <laughs> and he put a, a, a fresh robe on him. He probably smelled a, a pig poo and things of that nature. They put a fresh robe on him, got a, got a ring for his finger. I, I, I suspect it was like a signet ring of, of the family, things of that nature, saying, you're my son, you belong to me, things like that. And, um, and he put new sandals on his feet, things like that. And he, it says they killed a calf, I think it was, right? Am I paraphrasing? I, I think it was a calf. And um, basically they threw some steaks on the grill and had an all-out party. Now that's really cool, because I don't think the son was expecting that kind of a welcome home. And neither would we if we you know, squandered all that money and, and lived like that and then crawled back home. Now, now that's really cool. And that's a story of the father welcoming home the prodigal son, and that's God's nature. Jesus was telling this parable because that is God's nature. When you return and the Bible says, humble yourself, come back, come back to me, um, that is God's nature to open arms, welcome you, right? Now, there was another son, and known as the older son, who stayed in the field and would not come to the party. He's like, I ain't doing no backyard bonfire today. I am too busy working. But really, he was angry. It says he was angry. He couldn't understand why the father would throw a party like that. Not only was he jealous, but he was angry. Why? Because he was, you know, he was the guy who stayed home and did everything right. And so, so you see the two faces of pride. Um, well, actually, the, the younger son's finally reaching the end of himself and going, okay, I found a place of humility, and I'm crawling back. And the older son is still sort of stuck in that place of going, um, it's the other face of pride. Does that make sense? And going, I did everything right, I think, but I also don't feel like a son. And now, now he starts to judge those who didn't do it right. And that's the other face of pride. So Alicia, what, you want to come and share how you relate to this story, and then I'm going to pick it back up and how, yeah. and, and how I was relating to that story later. Yeah, so as Vern um, was saying, there's really two faces to pride. So um, I definitely relate to the older side. I'm going to stand close to you so that you Should still I try picks to, up. I know. I was no, it still picks up if okay. I hug you. I'll just talk like that. <laughs> Um, and so I would say looking back in my life, I didn't even know that I dealt with pride until, um, about in my twenties. And then, um, I started looking back. So a little bit of my backstory, I was raised in a very like tightly controlled environment. So everything was really, really restricted. So like I didn't, I wasn't drinking I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't smoking. I was homeschooled. So I had very tightly controlled friends that I was allowed to hang out with, um, I dressed the right way. I only watched certain movies. I never listened to secular music. So it was a very like tightly controlled environment. Um, I was definitely like the good girl. Um, but at the same time, I really um, found myself looking down on other people um, who weren't living the way I did. So I started to have a mindset of like, hey, like I'm better than these people. What's wrong with them? Why can't mm -hmm. they get their life together? Why are they messing up and making all these bad choices? Instead of saying, hey, sin is wrong, but God's going to help them. God's going to help them grow and change. It was more of like a judgmental attitude towards them. Um, 
And for me, it was like, oh, look at me. I'm doing everything right. Um, but really, it was because, hey, God's going to love and accept me only if I'm doing this list of things and acting perfectly and not messing up like those people. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a mindset I sort of carried into my adult life. We got married. And then in my 20s, we hit a very, just a very challenging season. And it really felt like our entire lives were imploding in on themselves. I don't really know another word to say, but literally like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Yeah. So up until that time, like Vern had been climbing the career ladder. We were climbing the church ladder. Some of you that are raised in the church know what that means. Um, we're having all of our kids and, and like everything started to crumble. Jobs, career, having extended family problems. Our marriage was a mess. We felt like terrible parents. Like literally everything was going wrong. Um, and my pride started to be shattered because I realized like I had been so self-reliant on me and what I can do. And mm -hmm. if I can maintain this list of 100 things to do perfectly, then I got it all together. And it's really all about me. Um, yeah. And when everything was going wrong, then I realized, like, I'm not doing enough to earn God's favor. And the, the pride really started to crumble. Um, and I couldn't pull myself up by my bootstraps anymore. Sort of like, you know, like, oh, I, I can do this. I got this. There was no more. That I really realized, like, my pride's gone. I'm a mess. We're a mess. Our kids are a mess. Everything's a mess, you know? Yeah. It was a, it was a really rough season. Um, and that went on for... There was one particularly really bad year. I call it the year from hell, and it pretty much was a year from hell. So it took a few years to really pull out of that. But during that time, like, God really started to show his faithfulness. And um, I was really humbled through that. But I realized that this is about God and who he is. Yeah. And even if I'm completely messed up and things are messed up, he's faithful. Mm -hmm. And so really it was a spirit of humility that said, God, I can trust you and you're going to show yourself faithful and you're going to show yourself solid through this. And I think then coming through that, it really gave us a sense of like, you know what, there's grace for people that are going through tough times. And instead of being like that older brother thing, I didn't necessarily feel like the younger brother, but there was the grace to say, hey, you know what, people go through really tough times, but God has compassion on them and he's going to move them on and they're not going to stay stuck. Um, and I, I, it was just a really good, like, awakening for me of, like, hey, I don't want to be that older brother trying to earn God's favor, trying to do it right. It's all about me, and, and I can do this, and I got this. And I am, I am typically a pretty, like, self-reliant person, but God really stripped it all away and just showed me that, hey, this is not pride of yourself that matters and that you need to trust in me. You need to be humble and trust on my ability and not your own ability to do everything right. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of my story in a nutshell of like the older, the older brother. And Vern is completely opposite, so you can yep. unpack that more yep. about your journey. Yeah, love you. That. You're awesome. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. <clears throat> opposite to tract, and so she married, <laughs> she married the crazy younger brother. You know, I, 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 you know, not that I spent, uh, squandered my years with prostitutes, so I didn't do that. But, uh, but in my teenage, I was a horrible, horrible teenager. Um, I wouldn't have wanted me for a teenager. I was just bitter. I was rude. I did not know Jesus. And um, I did a lot of partying. Um, and, and God kept me from a lot of things, but also I dove into a lot of things and discovered um, 
the dark side of the universe, as I call it now. Those were my dark years. And it was about three or four years where I was so far from God. Um, but when I was about 19, um, I came back to God. And it really was like a prodigal son coming back. But, but, he, but And even the, like seasons in my life, it would almost sort of half repeat. Not that I strayed from God, but it was like you do things on your own so long and you do it your way. I want to do things my way because I do know best. <laughs> Give me the inheritance, God, that belongs to me, and you let me do with it what I think is best because I really, you know, I was like, oh, that sounds almost like Lucifer himself. But uh, <laughs> I know best, God. You know, I want to be higher than God. It really was pride that would set in again and again, and then I'd have to try to lick that thing and come crawling back out of the pig pen and going, okay, 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 I don't know how to be a great husband. Teach me, Lord. I don't know how to be a great father to these kids. Teach me, Lord. And I don't know how to even hang on to this crazy career of mine because what, what was crazy is balancing the crazy career that I had in production management with my family, with my growing family, and then with church activities. And my life was spiraling so far out of control, I said, I don't know how to do it. Then for one of the first times in our life, we went to some counseling and therapy around that time. I forget exactly which year it was. It was, it was so humbling to, to, to admit to people older than me, brothers, um, men that I admired that... <laughs> I completely suck at what I do, you know? That was so, so humbling. But that's exactly what had to happen because I tried for so long to do it my way and it wasn't working that well and things start to crumble. And so I needed wisdom from other people. Actually, I needed fathering. I needed mentoring. And I was very slow in that season of my life to get that because I was proud. I wanted people to look at me and said, what a dude. Man, I want to follow him and do it the way he does it. You know, but I was in no shape to be emulated. I could actually pull it off pretty good when I was at church, especially back then. Back, um, and in the community, I went to work and people thought I had my act together. Well, some people did anyway. But, um, <laughs> but, but no, you know, you can put on this outward act for only so long, right? Until people see cracks in what you're doing and, you know, a little bit of eye raising going, you think he's okay? You know, <laughs> and really inside you're completely not okay but you can't hide all the cracks for that long and people see that and it's better i'm telling you guys learn this now it's better just to put on a cloak of humility in that season and go hey pastor gary can we meet i need to pray or you know meet with one of the other leaders you know some of the other life group leaders you all got on or whoever meet with a brother meet with a parent meet with a friend um but we need each other right we need to humble ourselves one with another um, but what I want you to get from, you guys catching some of this? I want you to catch one final thing about humility, and then I'm going to dive into, I want to leave you with a positive and talk a bit, a bit about what humility looks like. Can we do that? But what I want you to get from the story of the prodigal son and his, and his older brother um, <coughs> is this. When you humble yourself before God, he throws a freaking party for you. He starts to party around you. And he throws some steaks on the grill, figuratively speaking, can we say that? He invites all the friends and neighbors in the community, and he throws a party over you. When you cloak yourself in humility and say, I am not the bomb, Jesus is all that. Jesus is the perfect one. I want to emulate him. Yes, I do, but it's only by his grace that I'm here, Paul said. 
right? It's by his grace that I am what I am. And when you, when you cultivate humility in your life, <laughs> I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready for God to party over you and for your life to, to have a party around it because humility is attractive. It, you know, it's like that, like that blue bug thing people park on their decks and, you know, the, the bug zapper, right? <clears throat> it's hard to enjoy a hamburger with that thing around. <clears throat> you know, it's a little like ugh, nauseating. <clears throat> but, you, but, it, but it's like, it's, it's magnetic, right? And bugs, apparently, uh, I don't even know how it works. Probably somebody here knows the science of it. But, but bugs sense this thing humming or whatever. Or the blue, maybe it's the blue light, I don't know. <laughs> but, but humility is like that blue light, and it's, and it's attractive, and it's magnetic. And people go, I want to hang around him. He knows that he's not the bomb. She doesn't think she's the most awesome of all awesomeness. They don't think they're God's gift to mankind. I'd like to hang out with them. They make me feel okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Humility is attractive. Get ready for a party around you. And that's what I was sensing this week as I was just rereading that story. I read that story so many times. Um, but when I was reading it this week in preparation, it just felt, it felt rich in that regard. So amen. So let's, let's close out here by talking. Um, I'm just going to give you three things to do. <laughs> There's always some action. All right. To, to cultivate humility. And think, see, because the Bible says humble yourself. <laughs> you can be humbled or humble yourself. <laughs> James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. In other words, throw a party over you <laughs> is, and exalt you is basically what it says. Um, so number one, y'all ready for this? Number one is submit to others. And I already talked about that is ask someone else for their input now and then. <laughs> ask for some wisdom. Not every day. Come on, you can you can tie your own shoes. All right, I'm I'm not I'm not. Don't be crazy. You understand what I mean. But all of us need each other. All of us need somebody in our life that we trust, know, and trust, and say, I'd like you to weigh in on this. Um, how does this you know How does this sound to you? This is what I'm planning to do. Does this sound okay? Amen. It says, First Peter five five. Uh, uh, it says, likewise, younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. But then it goes to everybody. It says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. So good. Number two is be thankful. <laughs> in our, forgive me, in our entitled generation, it is... <laughs> 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 I deserve that. Thank you. <laughs> um, in, in this generation, you know, you see, a lot of, <laughs> you see a lot of entitlement. But it's really hard to carry a spirit of pride when you cultivate thankfulness. It, it doesn't go that well together. Proud people don't thank others or thank God that much. It's hard. You know, James 1.17, every, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And also 2 Timothy 3.2 um, says this, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. And it puts all that in the same package, ungratefulness. Um, is tied in there with all those crazy sins. <laughs> 
So, so give credit to God. He gave you life in the first place. You wouldn't be doing the awesome things that you're doing and be the bomb if he wouldn't give you breath every morning anyway, right? He's the one who woke you up and um, gave you a place to sleep, gave you amazing parents, hopefully. If not, gave you amazing friends. Look at all of you in this room. God, God lines so many things up for you to be successful that for us to think that we've got it all going on and I did all this, you know, um, we're ripe with this in America. I, I love this country. This is still the best country to live in, I believe, by far. <laughs> There's other countries that are pretty cool, but what, what, if you study American history and what we've developed here, it's still a really cool country, all right? However, <laughs> we can focus on some of the independent things that are going on and, and really what it caused, like a spirit of independence you know, to, to kind of rise out of people to the point where, where they really say, you know, I worked for all this, and I did all this, and I worked hard to get this degree, and I, yeah, you did. That's awesome. I admire hard work, and so does God. But God gave you all that energy. God gave you all the food that you ate. God made it possible for you to earn the money. God gave you, God gave you, God gave you, God gave you, God gave you. God allowed you. Did you get it? And your parents probably fed you, clothed you. You wouldn't be where you're at unless you were, you were a helpless baby and would have died without care, right? We're not self-made men, in other words. America's ripe with self-made people. I made myself, I made my career. Well, yeah, you, you worked hard and that's, that's admirable. We can always admire that, but you're not a self-made person. Um, it's really pride speaking. Um, actually, I'm here because of a lot of other people in my life that dared to speak into my life and be my friend. And that's the truth. I'm here because of her as well. Because, you know, you, bat you, you fight battles together and, and you know who your brothers are, you know who your sisters are. Um, I am here because of my parents. You know, I didn't have a great relationship with them, but they took really good care of me as a baby. <laughs> I was never hungry. I don't even know what it's like to feel starved. I don't. I am super, super, super thankful and super blessed. I always had clothes to wear. Um, does that make sense? Be thankful. Think of, think of somebody to thank for something this week and make sure you thank God. Number three, real quick, be other-centered um, as opposed to self-centered, right? Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. How about, how about we listen more than we speak? It's a way to cultivate humility. It's hard nowadays to find someone that wants to live in understanding. It's actually really hard because a lot of people um, are, are thinking about the next thing they're going to say before you're done with your first sentence. You know, it, it's, it's, it's on Facebook, it's all, all, all that kind of stuff. It's like a culture of, I have something to say, I have something to say, and I wanna say it loudly, I wanna say it now. But there's not a, you find that person that says, I'm okay listening for a while. That doesn't diminish me, it, it actually is okay. You know, you're like, wow, there's somebody that actually wants to hear what the opposition is, is, is going through and, and, and and, and uh, discovering in their lives. And that's actually becoming more rare in this culture. Do you know that? Um, it, it's, it's divisive. But anyway, um, not that we have to agree with everything, you know, that you're opposing, for example, but it's, it's something where you cultivate that listening ear and go, can I understand really what you're facing? Um, 
listen more than you speak. Proverbs 18.2, and I might have shared this recently at church, but I'll say it again. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, <laughs> but they delight in airing their own opinions. <laughs> and I've been hit with this one recently so badly, and it's just sort of stuck in my crawl. I'm probably going to mention it again before I let it go. But it fits, it fits our culture and keeps me in check, if you will. Does that make sense? Fools find no pleasure in understanding. I'd rather argue with you. I want to stand on the, my point. My point is right because I know it's right because I just decided it's right. Do I know all the facts? No. I just am arguing my point. <laughs> Do I understand what other people are going through? No. I just want them to understand what I'm going through. <laughs> Fools find no pleasure in understanding what others are going through. And so be other-centered. And, and, and also by being other-centered is learning to serve other people. Um, learning to say to someone else, how can I pray for you? How can I serve you today? Um, what can I do to make your, make your life a little easier? And that's, 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 that's little, and there's a lot more, but there's, there's ways that you can cultivate humility. Maybe you're not always feeling it, but, but it'll cultivate something in you that, that an action actually, actually does something to your heart and you, you start to feel filled up. You get outside of yourself. Some of the best remedy, and I believe in counselors, I believe in pastoral ministry, obviously, and I believe in going to counselors, therapists, and all that kind of stuff. We have some really great therapists and all that that are working with Lifeway, and they're doing a fantastic job. And I'm seeing freedom, I'm seeing life come out of that for sure. But sometimes what people need is just to stop their, their navel-gazing, so to speak, <laughs> and looking inward so much. I need this. And say, what if I focus on what they need and start to serve them? And there's, there's some fulfillment in that. You go, wow, that just felt so good to do nothing for myself at this moment but to do something for someone else. Um, and, it, and it cuts through pride. It cultivates humility. You go, wow, I got it pretty good. <laughs> So those are some of the things here. Sorry, reaching under you. Um, maybe we can pass these out. Maybe I'll, I'll give some to you to pass back. So what I have here, thank you, Gary. Appreciate it, man. What I have here, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you home with a dare. <laughs> Truth or dare? So on the one side, it's really small writing because I wanted to get it on one page. Um, being really creative there. You're going to need a magnifying glass to see it. Yeah, you're going to have to need a magnifying glass to see that. <clears throat> I, I changed the margins so I could fit it all on one page. I didn't want to hand you a book. so. This is just stuff I borrow from things I read. So it's not my, I didn't, I didn't create this. I'm not being that creative. No, on the one side is... 41, 41 evidences of pride. And yeah, there wasn't room for more, but no, that was it. Um, I, like, I, like, I like the last one at the very bottom. Are you sitting there thinking how many of these questions apply to someone you know <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of yourself? <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to let you read over them. Let's just highlight a few. Do you generally think your way is the right way, the only way, or the best way? Yes, I do. Ouch. Um, are you excessively shy? Ooh. Think about that. It's pride. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to take a step. Ooh. Somebody, yeah. I used, by the way, I, I used to be extremely shy as a kid. 
ask, ask any of my brothers or a brother or sisters if you ever meet them. But yeah, I was really, really, really shy. Yeah, I could not talk to a stranger until I was in my teen years, like 12 or 13. I would not say a word, <laughs> not even to people that I knew were my neighbors. Um, anyway, I had social, social, <coughs> social disabilities or something like that. I don't know what it was. I'm just kidding. Um, let's jump around. Do you, do you neglect to express gratitude for little things to God or to others? Do you neglect prayer and intake of the word? Do you get hurt if your accomplishments or acts of service are not recognized or rewarded? Do you get hurt if your feelings or opinions are not considered when, you, when your mate or your boss is making a, a decision? And on and on. Do you react to rules? Um, I'm just jumping around. Are you argumentative? We touched on all these things. When is the last time you said these words to a family member, friend, or coworker? I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? If it's been more than a month, you better mark that down. It says, so anyway, anyway, this is a test. Now I'm going to tell you what to do with this in a second. I'm not giving this to you to condemn you, but I want you to flip it around, and and I want you to 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 see what it's like to cultivate humility. What what is humility? What does it look like? And I find that helpful because when you're trying to cultivate something that you believe the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate in your life, you need to picture what it looks like, right? Otherwise, you hardly know what to do with it. Okay, I want to, Lord, take pride out of my life. Yeah, but what does humility look like? Um, it looks like not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. <laughs> I like how that's worded. It's being of service to others. When we're wrong, we promptly admit it. Not, humility is not caring about who really gets the credit, doing the next right thing, no matter what. Um, and on and on and on it goes. Not having to one-up people. How about, how about rooting, rooting for others, rooting for everyone? Honesty, gratitude, asking God to direct your thinking and, and things of that nature. Now, now there's probably other things. Here, here's what I want. Here's, I'm, this is what I dare you to do with this paper before you throw it away. Some of you will, some of you will let it sit. I know that. That's okay. Um, I dare you to meet with a good friend of yours. Find someone that you love, trust. One of, one of your friends. Not tonight. <laughs> not, not now. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> I dare you to meet with um, a spouse if you have it. Some of you do. Um, a really good friend, a parent, a trusted leader, and, and ask them to help you. See, this is a sign of humility. And ask them to help you work through this list and if they're seeing things on the other side and help you get from that page to this page because, because all of us have blind spots. And, and when you say you have no sin, <laughs> that's the sin right there. <laughs> no, no all, all, of us, all of us need this. All of us need other people to take a good look. Now it ought to be someone you love and trust and it ought to be done without condemnation, and then it ought to be done in return. So if, you, if, if you're going to get someone to work with you, then you better have the opportunity to do it back to them. <laughs> no, no, it has to be someone you love and trust, and if you don't have that, by golly, don't just find anybody to do this with. You'll, you'll, you'll get hurt. <laughs> so I would trust Alicia to help me work through this, because her, her more than anybody, actually my kids would be really good at helping me with this. They would be like really good. They'd be like, oh yeah, dad, you do all those numbers pretty much. But, oh, scary stuff. 
But, but listen, this is, this, is, this is a sign of humility when we can say to another person that we love and trust, that a person that believes in you, how are you experiencing me? What is, what is it like on the other side of me? And if you don't know that, you ought to ask at some point. <laughs> someone, someone that you know likes you. <laughs> and, and, and a good friend is an honest friend, not a friend that's going to throw you under the bus. And, and say, gosh, this is why you suck so bad. You know, that's not, that's not fun. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Nobody wants that, right? And so I don't, want, I don't want you to carry out of here a spirit of condemnation. Uh, what I want you to carry out of here is the fact that there is pride, and it's what Satan is all about. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he comes in with so many faces of subtle pride that, that can be, listen, can be overcome by the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus came. There is nothing that you're facing, whatever pride looks like in your life or any other sin, for example, that cannot be overcome by the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do you believe it? Yes. Yeah. And so you, you don't leave here with condemnation like, oh my gosh, I'm such a prideful person. I just simply stink. No, that's not the message. If you heard that, I want to cut that off for you right now. What you're sensing and what you're feeling convicted of, if, if anything, while you read through this, can be overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so I've reached many places in my life where I realized it was pride that got me there, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that picked me up from that crazy place and set my foot upon a rock and caused me to act differently the next time. So you're not, you're not stuck where you are. Amen? Amen. Um, is this like, do you like do discussion and stuff in these meetings? Just more of a church service. Like, okay. <laughs> we don't do discussion Sunday mornings either, that we'd be there all day. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, I'm going to pray for, I'm going to pray for you guys. All right. I'm just going to pray for you guys and let you get to your snacks and friendships and all that stuff. So, all right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Alicia, do you have anything else to say? You good? Okay. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we call upon your name. Jesus, we call upon your name. We want, we want to emulate who you are, to be made into the image of Christ is why we're on this journey, right? So, so God, we call upon your name, Father God, through Jesus Christ, to say, make us into your image and keep us on this journey at working on these things that don't belong there and calling upon your name to, to help to dismiss those things and put them, on, put them at the cross and put them under the blood so that we can partake of your holy nature, your righteous nature, and we can move forward in a healthy way. Like root out any, um, any bitterness, any pride, Lord, that would spring up in our lives. If it looks like the face of the older brother, if it looks like the face of the younger brother, um, whatever face it takes, whatever, um, whatever it looks like, Lord, I, I ask you now to root it out of us fully and completely. Expose it, root it out. And we choose to humble ourselves before you and cry out for this so we can be made whole, so that we can be 100% blessing to those around us, and wear a cloak of humility just like your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.